That was good. Isn't that message wonderful? We are still a daughter or son of God no matter what. We can't erase his love. That is awesome. Hey, if you're uh, excited to be here, I'm glad you're here. I'm excited also. We're going to be starting in uh, Matthew chapter 6 today, going over the Lord's Prayer. And uh, in a sermon series, we're calling Lord, Teach Us to Pray. So we're going to spend 10 weeks in this new series, Lord, Teach Us to Pray, going over the Lord's Prayer. So it'll be, it'll be fun. It's going to be exciting. Uh, it's going to be very intricately, intricately involved. Uh, next week, for instance, like this week, we're in a little precursor, uh, the passage just before the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Uh, and then next week, we're going to talk about our Father who is in heaven. And that's what we'll talk about the whole time. So uh, it should be a great time to get some perspective on prayer and, and, how, and what our attitude should be or our posture should be to the Father uh, and learn more, a little, little more about ourselves and a little more about God as well. So I'm glad you're here. <clears throat> we are in Matthew 6. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one out of the pew rack there in front of you. You can follow along. That would be great. Um, as we start this series, Lord, Teach Us to Pray, uh, what, we're, what we're looking at is, is this wonderful tool uh, that God has given us, this wonderful, and I say it's a tool, but it's, it's, this, it's this wonderful way that we can commune with God, to get close to God, right? This is, prayer has been given to us so that we can grow closer to Him. And, and I, you know, as a, as a father myself, I, I just see and look for ways that I can be close to my kids and love my kids and and I'm not just looking for ways I can just occupy a spot next to them, although sometimes that's all I want. But, but I'm looking for ways I can interact with their heart and speak to their heart and love them and, and, and enhance that relationship. So if we, can, if we think about that as a parent to a, to a child or to our children, we can think about what God is longing for for us. God wants us to, to love us and wrap, his, wrap our heart up in his arms and, and to nurture it and, and take care of it and, and to guide it and direct it and heal it. And, and that's, that's what we can look forward to in this time of prayer, because that time of prayer is saying, Dad, I want to get up on your lap. I need to talk to you. I need, I need, to, I need to get some things off my chest, right? I need, I need you to take care of what's on the inside of my chest. Um, and one of the things about prayer, it, you know, this is a, it's a sacred, wonderful, beautiful, intimate thing that we have uh, to commune with God. And we have to understand and remember that, that nothing is too sacred that, that Satan won't look to divide still. And I think even the, the more sacred something gets, right, the more sacred something is, the more he desires to devour and to divide. The more he wants to get in there and just, and just push us apart from our Father. So he's looking for that. And the challenge for you and I is to watch out for that, to watch out how Satan wants to get us in there and, and, it, and to cause us maybe to, to tempt us to take shortcuts in our daily disciplines. And that's what happens, right? The temptation is there for us to take shortcuts, especially in our prayer life. I don't know about you, but... That, that temptation is there for me. And, and what that happens is it starts to close our heart off from God. When we take these shortcuts and kind of say a little prayer but don't really get into that time of real open communion with God, it, it starts to push us away from our Father. We don't, we don't have that closeness and that connection with God anymore. And if we take shortcuts often enough, hypocrisy will become the pattern of our lives. If we take shortcuts often enough in our faith, in, in these spiritual disciplines, hypocrisy, will become the pattern of our lives, and, and at times without us even realizing it. We just become phonies and frauds. So we're going to look at that today as well. So today as we begin uh, to let the Lord teach us how to pray, it's, it's super important for us to understand that, that God is testing and convicting and wanting to, us to try our own attitudes of our heart, the humility we have inside, and, and to test the audience that we are trying to keep. Uh, and, that's, and we'll see that it's a big thing today as we look at this prayer uh, the, the Pharisees, the audience they wanted to keep was themselves or the people around them. But when we, when we go to the Lord in prayer, we're going to the Lord in prayer. It should be an audience of 
of one. All right. Well, let's pray and we'll get started in, uh, in our text, okay? Father, thank you so much for, for your love for us. God, thank you so much for your word. God, as we look at it today, we, we know it's going to cut, cut us deep and, and God, it's going to judge the thoughts and attitudes of our heart and we welcome that. God, I just desire that you would, you would challenge me and you'd, you'd change me. God, you would, you would shape us into the image of the Son. God, convict us if we need to be convicted. God, bring us joy in the cross of Christ and hope that's found there. May we rest there. God, help us to analyze and look at our own prayer lives, to look at the attitude that we have in our hearts as we approach you. Maybe an attitude of humility that approaches the throne of grace with confidence. We trust you. We thank you for, for being here with us. We thank you that you're guiding and directing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in Matthew 6, but I do want to start in Luke chapter 1. Of course, these are the Gospels, right? The Gospel accounts of Christ's life given uh, from different points of view to different audiences as it was written. So we have four different Gospels. So we have different different variations or, or um, pictures of what was happening when the, when the disciples were given the Lord's Prayer. And I, and I think it's really neat to see Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And if you want to turn there real quick, just your finger over, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke. Hold on to Matthew 6. But Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And I'm just going to read verse 1 to give us a little bit of a picture of what's happening. And then we're going to go back over to chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Okay. So Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says this. It says, He, that is Jesus, was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And you got to think a little bit, like, wh why do you think the disciples, or this disciple, wh why, why was there a hunger for that? Why was there a hunger for the Lord to teach them how to pray? And certainly he throws in there the fact that John taught his disciples to pray, and that's John, right, the baptizer, who came before Jesus, making a way, paving a way to the Messiah, pointing to Christ. And, and there was, but here's what happens. The, the disciples, the followers, saw their leader, saw their teacher, whether it be John and now Jesus, the Messiah, and they, and they saw and noticed his way of life. They noticed his power. They noticed his humility. They noticed his presence. He, they, he noticed, they noticed his ability to reign calm when they thought they, he should lose his mind. They noticed his lifestyle was way different because of his extraordinary prayer life. Something There was a connection there. They saw him pray, and they saw his life be different in the way he lived. And they, they thought, we're missing something. We need something. We want to we carry on this, this lifestyle. We want to carry on and, and be impacted by the intimacy that Jesus has with the Father. We also want to have that intimacy and communion with the Father. Because there was a connection between their life and prayer. And, and it's so true for you and I as well. There's a connection between how our lives are lived and how often and how much and how how vulnerable we go into prayer with the Father. So I, I don't know about you, as I, as I prepared for this, I probably put this series off about a year. Um, and and it, I don't know, I think God, just, God leads where he leads and says do what he, want, he wants us to do, so we do that. But as, as I did that, I, I just know that for myself, I, I'm at this point, I'm hungry. Hungry to be led, I'm hungry to be taught. Lord, teach us to pray. I, Lord, teach me to pray. And I, and I pray. I pray, but you know, I, I know, and I hope you do too, that, that we could be closer to Jesus. We could have a deeper relationship with Jesus. I just want it to be the lifeblood that courses through us, that we just pray 
without ceasing. Our thoughts are prayers, our life, how we live it is prayers, and, and certainly we have those times of isolated, exposed, vulnerable prayer with our Father who loves us. So my conviction is certainly I, w- I want to pray more fervently and more passionately. I want to pray more often. I want to be more real with Jesus. Right? And I don't want to do it for any other reason to exalt, than to exalt Him and to be close to Him and let, and let Him do a work in me. And that's, and that's what we're looking for as we go into this. So, so let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and let's see how Jesus kind of responds. And I, I'm starting out in verse 5 with this, this encouragement, exhortation from Christ on how to pray. And then next week we'll get in to the Lord's Prayer. But we're going to read 6 all the way through 15 right now, okay? Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. For if you forgive others of their, of their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your, your Father will not forgive uh, your offenses. All right. Let's break this down. And, and one of the things I told the first service, um, I know that we have learned this prayer. All of us have probably at some point in our life heard or learned this prayer, probably some more than, more than others, where it's been indoctrinated into you, right? It's like, and you say it, when you say the Lord's Prayer, you're still, you're still saying it in King James. Like, it's just, that's how I speak the Lord's Prayer, right? And, and we're going to talk about that a little today. But one of the things I do, I would like to do is, is at the beginning of our services for the next 10 weeks, um, have someone just read their translation, the one that they just, they just really love and and share that passage with, with the rest of us. So if you would like to do that, you just call me in the week, shoot me a text, shoot me an email, let me know, like, hey, I'd love to, I'd love to read. Uh, sign me up for one of the days. Here's when I'm gone. Um, here's the translation I'm reading out of. And we'll, and we'll kind of niggle that and make that happen. We'd love you to read both for first service and second service on that day. And I think it just it, it brings a richness and a fullness to the text, okay? So if you want to do that, let me know, um, and we'll, we'll put you on the rotation. Um, either way, and I'm using... A lot of the Pew translations, the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, is what we use here. So we're, we're looking at this, this prayer, this, this deep, uh, this deep like, instruction from Jesus about when you pray. And that's what today's sermon title is, is when you pray. And so we need to look through and say, what is it like? When we pray, what should we be doing? And that's what Jesus is teaching. Before we even get into the Lord's Prayer, he's teaching us, when we pray, here's what not to do and here's what to do. And, and there's a good contrast going, out, going on between between some religious leaders and, and, and Pharisees who, who kind of were all about themselves and what Jesus was saying, what, what he really wants from a child of God, what he really wants from a follower who's wanting to follow him. There's this contrast happening. So we're going to jump right into number one. Okay, When you pray, when you pray, number one, don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray like the hypocrites. And that's right in the text we see in verse 5, right? Chapter 6, verse 5. Whenever you pray, you must not be like 
the hypocrites. Because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. So when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. And, and so I want us to understand, though, yes, there is, a, there is an importance and a specialness to isolation and, and being away from people and being not in a crowd when we pray. And, and I think what that isolation does, and we'll see as it comes up, is it kind of opens our heart. It, unisolates, it isolates our heart so we can open our heart and be vulnerable to God. Because secret prayer really what reveals the secrets of the heart. And that's what God's after is that heart connection. So there are times where in crowds or in, around people, it kind of gets uncomfortable and we don't want to pray. I know a lot of you say, Brandon, I'll serve Lord's Supper. Don't ever ask me to pray. Don't ask, you know. I get it. It's, it's tough to pray in front of people. And, and, but in this time, they aren't really saying don't, don't pray in front of people. Make sure you never pray in front of people. And we'll see, see that in a minute in Luke. If you want to start flipping over to Luke 18, keep your finger here. Um, what was happening, that they, were, they prayed in the synagogues, and they prayed on the street. And why? Because Jewish tradition, Jewish rule said, pray throughout the day. Pray often at these times. So when that time came up, you just stopped whatever you were doing, wherever you were. And oftentimes that meant you were in your shop, right? Or at maybe at your house, but maybe on the street, or maybe on the street corner. And what would you do? You would stop, and you would honor God, and you would pray. Or maybe you were up at the temple, you're in church, like, you're, I'm going to church. What are we going to church to do? We're going to church to pray, right? And that's what they did. They would go to church to pray. They would go to the temple and offer prayers. And it was, it was a connection they wanted to make from their heart to God. But notice this passage. It says, whenever you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites. Well, what's that like? Well, because they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the street corners. Why do they love to do that? Here's the, here's the important part. It's not, don't pray on the street corners. Don't pray in the temple. Don't pray like the hypocrites because they pray there. Why? To be seen by people. See, they want to be exalted and esteemed by people. And Jesus goes on. That's their reward. That's their full reward. They look good in someone's eyes. They, they, there's pride and ego building up in them, and that's all they're going to get from me. So they're not saying, don't ever pray on the street corner. Don't ever pray in church. Don't ever pray around people. What he's saying is, don't pray in those places to the wrong audience, to be seen by people, to be exalted by people. Don't pray in that way. The word hypocrite, he says, don't pray like a hypocrite, right? The word hypocrite was used in Greek time as, as a, a term for people in like drama or theater, and they were play actors. They would, they would wear different masks and play different roles in, in the, uh, the act. It wasn't, it wasn't a derogatory term at all of, of that person. But what, what we've noticed and what Jesus did, Jesus applied this word to people like the Pharisees who were just going through the motions. Right? He applied this word to people who were making an external show of it, whose outward lives did not match what was on the inside. That's what Jesus was saying. He's saying, don't pray like the hypocrites. They're a fraud. They're phonies. They are pretenders. And that's what he's, in, he's warning us. Don't be like that. We don't pray to get esteemed from people. Oh, how wonderful that prayer was. How eloquent. I, never, I couldn't have said it better. And listen, that's, we, we put that on people sometimes, don't we? I'm a pastor. I know. Oh, Brandon, would you pray? I, I could never pray like you. Are you kidding me? Be a little kid on daddy's lap and pray to the Father. Let him have your heart. doesn't matter what, how deep your theology is or how rich your, your intellect is on these huge words. 
commune with Jesus. So you get close to Jesus. And it's hard. And I get, it, I get the other side of it too. I get where sometimes there's, oh, we'll show. Let's, let's pray grand prayers. I'm a pastor. I, I pray. I, I prayed earlier. I'll pray, I'll pray in a little while. And I have, I have to be so aware of that. It's not to show how eloquent I can be. It's to, it's to open our heart, open my heart first, and open our heart to talk with God and commune with God. It's not about showing off. So these pretenders would pray, but their desire was to be seen and to be exalted by people. So we're in Luke chapter, chapter 18. Well, you are. I haven't turned there yet. <clears throat> Luke chapter 18. And what we're seeing, I've, I've, I preached on this, I don't know, several months ago. Uh, it was the I love being awesome sermon. The, the Pharisees, that's, remember that? I think it might be, it is, look at that. There's, it's a can, it's a, it's a, oh, it popped, oh well. I love being awesome. It's a can of I love being awesome. It was, it, it's something that should be given to every Pharisee, okay? Because they just love being awesome. Here, here's, here's Luke 18, verses 9 through 12. Luke 18, 9 through 12. And uh, we'll, we'll read the first part of this in this point, we'll read the second part of it in the next. But here, here's what was going on. Uh, verses 9 through 12. He, that is Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and they looked down on everyone else. So right away, there's a crowd, there's an audience there that Jesus is talking to. seems very, very much like the people he's warning us not to be. Don't be like the hypocrites who are all about themselves, who, who are full of themselves and want to be esteemed and exalted. Right? So he tells this parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. So they trusted in their own, own abilities to be righteous and clean, not in Jesus, and they looked down on everybody else because they weren't as good as them, right? Because they loved being awesome. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. Where did they go to pray? Went to church, right? To the synagogue. So we're talking about location. They went up to the, to the synagogue to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself, it says. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this here tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything that I get. You see the pride there? You see the pride wells up and Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. This Pharisee has no clue. He is so far from God. He's so self-absorbed. And the religious leaders that Jesus is talking about, they made it a point to pray in front of people so they could be exalted and they could exalt themselves. Look how good I am. I must, I'm certainly better than you, and God will certainly accept me and my prayers more than yours. But there was nothing within them that desired to exalt God. There's only a desire to exalt themselves, not God. So Jesus is questioning the, the interior motives of these prideful Pharisees, right? And we, and we like to do that too. Yeah, look, look at how bad those Pharisees are. But he is also, as he teaches us to pray, warning us that a temptation exists to engage in hypocritical prayer ourselves, right? That is not about God, or might be a little about God, but it has nothing to do with being close to God or actually exalting God. What he's saying is that there are temptations out there. There are times where you and I will be tempted to not come to God with the correct attitude and posture of heart. Saying, God, I want to humble myself before you so you are exalted. Instead, I'll, I'll pray to close the gap between me and somebody else 
so they see and look, look at me more favorably. I want to be exalted. Prayer, prayer is about yielding, right, and connecting my heart to God's heart. That's what prayer is about. It's about yielding me and yielding my ego and my, my want or desire to exalt myself. It's about yielding that so I can connect with God. So it has to start from the inside. It has to start at the heart. Don't pray like the hypocrites. Number two, when you pray, pray with pure motives. Now we just were leading into that, right? Pray with pure motives. Let's continue on in our text in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verse 6. So don't pray like the, the hypocrites. And then verse 6 says, But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father uh, who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret, secret will reward you in secret, right? Or will, will reward you. Now the idea here, again, yes, there is a very great benefit to having a private, isolated place for you and God to be doing business. All right? it, it, but listen, it's tough for me. I mean, I have a small home, and I have two kids and a wife to take care of, right? And they're, they're rarely gone while I'm there. So for me to stop and pause and to get alone with God in an undistracted way at my house does not work. It doesn't mean I don't pray at my house, right? But my, my prayer closet is my truck. I, get, I Seriously, I get in the cab of my truck, and that's my prayer closet. I, I go drive places. And, I mean, I waste probably too much gas doing it, but I... I drive, and I don't even know where I am, and I'm like, oh, where, where did I end up? You know, I'm, I'm paying attention to the road, but, I, but I, it's my prayer time. It's my time with God. It's my time for God to, to just expose my heart, and sometimes it is. I, that prayer is just, I stop, and I do nothing. I'm just driving, and I'm, I'm, I'm just in my mind, God, just show me. God, just show me. And he starts digging in there, saying, let's, let's chisel away at this. Like, oh, you know, I don't know. But that, so there's a private prayer time, but then, then, you know, your car honks their horn, or then I have a stoplight. I've got to, I see someone and it's waving to me. We have distractions everywhere. But it is great to have isolation. I, you know, the, the movie that came out, War Room, right? Many of us have watched that in, in church. Many of you have seen that. It's, it's a great movie, a great exhortation to get alone and do some war with, with God, right? Battling with God for victory in other areas. And that isolation, having that prayer closet, it's, it's an important thing. And we see that example in Scripture, but we also see the example to pray without ceasing everywhere we go. So again, this is not a command to tell you, stop praying anywhere except in isolation. Okay, the, the, the isolation part of this, the praying in secret part of this, has, I believe, more to do with, with developing and, and having pure motives in our heart. Isolating our heart before God. Saying, okay, God, let's get down and dirty here. It's easy in a crowd to hide, but when I'm not in a crowd, when I, when I uncrowd my heart, now I need to expose it to you. So the real issue is not so much where you pray, but that when you pray, you aren't doing so to attract attention to yourself in front of others or for, from others. It's not about having the proper location, but it is about having the proper posture and attitude of the heart. But again, when we isolate ourselves, that means we can isolate our heart and we can start to expose our heart. And when we will be praying, we're going to be seeking this real communion with God. And it's important for us to know that, that the, one of the most important parts of this secret prayer is that we would come to the Father ready to expose the secrets of our heart. Say, God, here I am. You know me. I'm not going to try to fool you and put a bunch of pomp and circumstance around it. I'm me. You're you. Can you be my dad right now? 
can you, can you handle my heart? Would you, would you grab onto my heart and if it's heart of stone, make it a heart of flesh? If it's a heart of flesh, would you, would you massage it a little bit? Would you, would you chisel off the, the areas that need to be chiseled off? Would you, would you look at those areas that have scars or have those cuts where I've been cut deep and I've been affected? Would you, would you help heal those for me? God, can I give you my heart? Because I need, I need more of you. I need less of me. And that's, that's what we're talking about. This is praying with pure motives. Back in our account in, in Luke chapter 18, I know you're flipping back and forth. You're doing good. Luke 18, we'll finish this in verses 13 and 14. It said, but the tax collector, right? We're talking about the tax collector and the, and the Pharisee. But the tax collector standing far off, right? So he's going to the temple to pray, but he can't even get, get close. He can't even get in the middle of it. He's like, I, I can't even approach it. It's so, I'm, I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. See that attitude of the heart, that purity in heart? He said, he he's, he's, keeps his distance, right? Standing far off. Wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven, but he kept striking his chest saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You see the attitude of the heart there? This is, this is going to God with pure motives, saying, God, I'm a wreck. I know I'm a wreck, and I'm not going to pretend anything different. And I'm, I'm going to go to you because only you can give me the mercy and grace that I need. Only you can heal my heart. Only you did enough on the cross for me to take care of what's dirty on the inside. And I need you. I need more of you, Jesus. And my heart is not about to show off. My heart is not even about, about to, to approach you so closely, even though I know I can. I'm, I, I need to stand far away, just desiring your mercy, just desiring your grace. In verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, those Pharisees and those hypocrites, maybe you and I, when we get to that place of being a phony, we're exalting ourselves, and God will humble us. But as we come to God humbly, broken, hurting, and despair, as we come to Him open and, and, and isolated, right, and exposed, He's like, let me take care of you. Let me, let me, let me treat you like I, I am going to treat you, because you're my, you're my son or you're my daughter. I want to I grow you up, and I want to lift you up, and I'll, I'll exalt you. You don't have to exalt yourself. I'll exalt you, and I'll do a mighty work in you. See, it's not about the location, but instead about the posture and attitude of our hearts. When we pray, we need to pray with pure motives from humility. Number three, when you pray, don't pray to impress. You don't pray to impress. Look at verse 7, back in Matthew 6. We're done in Luke 18 now. It's okay. Matthew 6. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they will be heard for their many words. Don't babble like the Gentiles, because they think they're going to be heard for their many words. So in, in, a, in the world, they think if I babble, if I ramble on, that means I'll be heard. That's not the case at all, right? Think about this. I want, to, I want to kind of talk about the, the difference here between repetition and persistence, okay? Because I, I think we're instructed to, ha, to give persistent prayer to God, continue to come to Him with, with even the same prayer 
over and over, but it comes from the depth of our heart, and it's just not mindless repetition. You know, most religions of that day and most religions of this day embrace the philosophy of mindless repetition in order to please their God or in order to earn favor with their God and, and to reach their goal. It's like if I, if I get enough of these prayers, I can be forgiven. And if I do something wrong again, if I do enough of those prayers again, I'll be forgiven. Or if I say enough of these chants in the right way, in the right form, and dance a little bit with it, then I will be on a higher way of thinking or level of thinking than, than my, my compatriots, right? And, and I want to earn something. So there's mindless repetitions, this babbling, this goes forward. And, and there's a difference there. And I, I want us to, be, to understand something, though. Like, we aren't immune to that, are we? We are not immune to that. We are going, we're going into a study on what? The Lord's Prayer. How many of you memorized that as a child? Right? When I still read it, any other translation than New King James, I'm lost almost. But I, I guarantee you, and I know for a fact that I have used the Lord's Prayer in mindless repetition. I can say it without even thinking. Can't you? I can do that with John 3.16. I can do that with, with Psalm 23. How many scriptures, how many prayers, how many, how many teachings and encouragements have we got from scripture that we now give no thought to when we recite? If we think the world's bad, we have to think of ourselves as well, right? Maybe I should, I should look here in my heart. Am I giving thoughtlessness, my, mindlessness to the rep- repetition that I'm, I'm giving to God? Am I just going through the motions? Am I being a phony? It's so important for us to understand that mindless repetition of the Lord's Prayer even is as evil as their mindless repetitions. But persistent prayer is different. Persistent prayer says, from the, my gut, from the core of who I am, I am going to offer up my heart to God continually and continue. There are, there are times I've, I've had persistent prayer from my family members or some of you who have been in very dire situations. And my prayer to God is exactly the same every time I prayed to, pray to Him. So it was repetition, but it was persistence from the heart. I was, I was petitioning God from my gut. It wasn't, if I say this prayer, everything's going to be okay. That's what this mindless babble is. God is not looking for long words or long prayers or mindless repetition. He is not impressed by that. I'm going to read a, a passage out of 1 Kings. If you'd like to turn there, you can. First Kings chapter 18. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the confrontation, this kind of battle at Mount Carmel with Elijah and, and the, all the followers of Baal. And he goes there as a prophet of God saying, God is God and your God is not God. Oh, no, no, our God is God. We'll show you. So there's this kind of this challenge, right? It's like, let's get it on on top of Mount Carmel. Let's see what happens. So there's, they, they say, we're going to pull these bulls over. We're going to call on our gods, each, each of us individually from heaven and see who, which one lights it up and consumes the bull. Right, where, where can fire rain down? Let's see who's right. And, that, and that's where we end up in the story. We start, we start in the story, uh, pick it up at least in verse 26 of chapter 18. So it says, They took the bull that, they, uh, that he gave them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us. But there was no sound. No one answered. And then they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, shout loudly, for he's a god. Uh, maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he has wandered away, or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he is sleeping and will wake up. 
They shouted loudly. They cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed over them. Mindless babble, right? All afternoon they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. Jumping down to verse 36, Elijah made some further preparation on his, on his bull, watered it down, saying, hey, we're going we're to water it down. This has to be coming from God. Verse 36, at that time, or at the time uh, for the offering of the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah approached the altar and said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that, that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. Listen, here's the reason. Here's the reason he's praying to God. Here's the reason of his communication. Here's the heart of what Elijah is trying to do. Answer me so that this people will know that you, the Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. See, Elijah didn't have this power struggle. He knew who was God. What he knew about God was that he was a humbled man before him, that God, the God of the universe, Almighty I Am, he changes everything. You can pray as many times as you want to Baal. You can chant as many things as you want to, to your false gods. They aren't going to lift a finger for you. And when Elijah prayed, he said, God, he, with the attitude and posture of humility, he said, God, answer me so that these people will know that you are God, the God that, that, that has turned their, their hearts back. So he had this deep desire from the heart for these people to know God. The others were just babbling, mindless repetition. Jesus was warning us, right? There's a warning for you and I to not be tempted to engage in, in repetitious ceremony or, or thoughtless chatter, that we don't give thought from the heart to what we're saying to God. Prayer is prayer that is thoughtless, right? Prayer that is thoughtless, prayer that is chatter, prayer that is mindless, prayer that is detached is offensive to God, and it should be offensive to us as well. We're not there trying to impress, but trying to connect with God and connect others to God. And people do. I have impressive prayers. I have a prayer book for everything, every, everything you can imagine. I'll pray that prayer, and that's, that's what impresses God, or that's what impresses others. But we do not, we don't have to impress God. We aren't very impressive anyway. But He is, isn't He? He is. You know, it's interesting, this mindless, mindless or thoughtless chatter, as a parent, I want you to think about this as a parent. I hope you're a strong parent because, you know, you, your kid asks you something. Say, well, Mom or Dad, can, can, I, can we have this or can we do this? And the answer is, unfortunately, no, or maybe not right now. Right? And, and always an opportunity to shepherd a child's heart. Always an opportunity to connect with the heart of a person, right, a child, and help them understand the reason. And my wife and I try to do that all the time. We remind each other, in fact, like, don't just say no. Make sure you tell them why. Now, there are times I just have to say no, and I don't have time to say why. You need to get out of the street and get on the curb. I'm not going to explain it, right? We'll talk later about that. But, but when we talk about connecting with, with parents and with children, there's a shepherding of the heart that's happening. So what I, what I want from my kids is, is to ask why. Because that, that engages the heart. What I don't want from my kids is mindless repetition. Please, Daddy. Please, Please, Daddy, please, 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 please. Oh, man. Like I said, you better be strong if you're a parent, right? 
Because you cannot give in to that. If we give in to that, we teach them that mindless repetition is what gets you where you need to go. I want to shepherd a heart. And God's that way too. And God, God's not going to give in to mindless repetition. Please, God, please, God, please, God, please, 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 but I so want it, please, please. No, you can ask why. You can wrestle with God over the reasons. But, but don't try to impress God with how many times you can ask. 3,321 yeses or yes or pleases is not going to say, make God say yes. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. Finally, number four. When you pray, be confident that God knows what you need. Do you believe that? God knows what you need. God knows what you need physically. God knows what you need emotionally. God knows what you need relationally. And God certainly knows what you need spiritually. Which is sometimes a reason we don't go to Him vulnerable. Because we know we have a need spiritually, and we just want to pretend that we're talking to God, and we really aren't interested in what He has to say to us. Because there's something that has to change inside. Right? But if we really want to commune with God, if we really want to pray, when we pray, be confident that God knows what you need. And rest in that. Find hope in that. Find strength in that. Finally, verse 8 of chapter 6. Don't be like them. Who? Well, the babblers, right? Don't be like them. Because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Your Father can get to you on a, on a deep level and help you understand what you need and what, what He's requiring of you and what He's asking of you. Don't babble away thinking that He's going to be honored and listen to that. He's not going to be impressed. He kn- but He knows what you need. And He's ready to connect you to what you need as well. More often than not, you know, we, we ask God things all the time. And I'm, I know we're going to wrestle through this as we go through this text. God, can I even change your mind if I pray? Well, I don't know, can I? But I, I do know one thing, that, one thing that changes for sure when I pray. My heart changes. And that's what God is doing every time I pray. God wants to change my heart. And when we're confident that the Father knows our needs, before we even ask Him, we won't feel compelled to try to impress Him. But we don't have to impress God if He already knows our needs. He's looking for a humble a humble heart, right? A heart that says, I, I'm going I'm to work in you and through you and, or let God work in and through you for His glory, for your good with only a few words even spoken to God. We don't need this grandeur and these long prayers. We just go to Him and be honest with Him and let God work on our heart. I want to read one last text. We're done in Matthew now. We're going to go to Psalm 139. <clears throat> just gives a gives a assurance and encouragement of how how the lord how, how we can be confident that the lord knows us he, he knows our, our needs even before we ask him and see i, I, t- I told you at the beginning like i have a conviction i, I want to grow in my relationship with the lord i want to grow in my ability to, to be honest and vulnerable with him to to say the things out of my heart that i need to say but but at times i don't know that i have the words but I just want to be close to him. And, and this is so reassuring because I know I'm, I'm growing in this and I think we're all growing in this. And this is reassuring to me as we approach the Lord in this way. It says in Psalm 139, 1 through 4, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. 
You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. Isn't that a reassuring? Before a word is on your tongue. Remember, before a word is on your tongue that would be presented as fake to God, he knows all about it. Before a word is on your tongue that makes you want to try to impress God, he knows all about it. Before a word is on your tongue in, in, in the darkest, hardest humility or the, or the humbling place you've ever been, God knows all, all about it. God knows you so, so well. And again, he's ready to, to grab your heart, to meet your heart where it is and to, to massage it, to chisel it, to heal it, to change it, and to turn its affections more to him. And see, that's what God is doing. So when we pray, when we pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Pray humble to the Lord who knows. Pray confidently. Pray humbly to our God. All right? Let's stand and pray. Let's, let's, now, let's now try to pray now in public. Father, you, you are a good father. You know us way better than we even know ourselves, and that kind of scares me. But God, I, I'm thankful that you know me. I'm thankful that you know me and you still love me and you still want to guide and direct our hearts towards you. God, I pray that you would help us as we learn how to pray, that you would teach us to pray that we would humble ourselves before you, that we would be ready to expose the secrets of our heart, that we'd let you chisel those away and we'd, we'd let you heal those, those hurting areas, God. We'd let you change our, our thoughts and attitudes. We ask you to, to make us more like Jesus. We thank you for the hope you give us through Christ. We thank you for the grace you've given us through Christ and the cross that there is a hope and a joy that, that we have in Him that can never have been attained on our own. And we are grateful. That humbles us, and we are grateful. Continue, God, to convict our heart. Continue to, to draw us to Yourself, <clears throat> that we might have a greater communion with You, a deeper intimacy as we share the depths of who we are with our great God. And we all pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, as we close today, it's always an opportunity to respond. And I don't know about you, it's, it's, I'm thinking twice now about how and what I'm praying. I really am, and I, I, I hope you are too. And, and maybe right now it's time for you to, to go find a secret closet somewhere in the church. I don't know. Maybe you need to pray right where you are. Just, just quietly just get isolate your heart right where you are. And just let God have his way in your heart. Maybe you don't even have the words. Before you have the words, God knows them already. <clears throat> Maybe you have a buddy here or, or someone you need to talk to and say, listen, I need you to help me with this. I need, to, I need you to pray. I need you to know that I'm struggling here. Whatever it is, I, I'll be down front. I'm ready to pray. I'm always eager to pray. Maybe you need to worship. Worship God full on right now from, from the depths of your heart, knowing that he, he is that God of your heart. 
and maybe he's filled you with this, this awesome ability to have great prayer times with him. Overflow, shout out his name because he is glorious, because he's the one to be exalted, because he is our audience of one. However God's calling you to respond, you do that now. At your name.